Welcome to episode 29 of Mojo for the Modern Man. This is your host, Ken Mossman. And before I get into introducing today's episode, just a quick note that my flagship program, my flagship men's program, I Am, which stands for the Integrated Adult Man, begins on Tuesday, the 16th of March, 2021. And I invite you to visit my website, Cirrus Leadership. Dot com. Go to the classes page and have a look. See if it's up your alley. And I'm, of course, happy to have a conversation with those who are curious about this very powerful, transformative uh, 13-week men's program. And with that, today we bring you the second half of my conversation with Steve Tulowitzki. And Steve unpacks the impact of news. In this case, it's a particular news story from 2018 that most, if not all, of those listening, of course, in the U.S. will remember, and and how this particular story became viscerally personal for Steve and, and for his entire organization, his entire company. And it's a beautiful illustration of how humanization of what we see and hear and witness, actually the importance of humanization of what we see and hear and witness in the news that can seem so far away. Steve also digs into organizational mojo. He describes having color-brave conversations. He discusses corporations leading the way in social justice and the value and importance of curiosity and particularly putting oneself in uh, in other shoes and in what may be uh, uncomfortable cultural circumstances for the sake of learning and expanding one's own world. And finally, Steve wraps the conversation with a call to action. And with that, let's go ahead and dig into the second half of my conversation with Steve Tulowitzki. Enjoy. Yeah, um, I think the... I think the ship, the tanker that we're attempting to turn, being abetted, aided and abetted by social media, even more so by Steve Jobs, whose idea was to put a camera in a phone and connect it to the internet and have it be addictive, means that everyone, at least in the United States, more or less, has a little piece of collective consciousness in technology in their hand. And we're starting to record what has always been going on. Right. And we're able to disseminate it and people see it. Like that's part of consciousness is awareness, just having as exposure. And as it gets close enough to home, I think is what you're, you're, you're pointing at. As it gets close enough to home, it, it impacts someone, you know, it impacts you. You start to realize that it does impact you. Whereas before it was a, story about i mean as a child growing up if i heard the word lynching i don't think my body did any flinching i don't think there was any body response from the word lynching um which is kind of weird if you know like what it is and if you would see that and if it would happen to someone you love um you wouldn't be able to escape that image and that experience probably ever. So consciousness is increasing uh, through this and it's getting closer to home. We, I talked about Dick Cheney before 
I don't know his ideas around um, when he was vice president, or his ideas around gay marriage, but probably if it was like the rest of the party, it would have been, you know, marriage between a man and a woman. And his daughter turns out to be a lesbian. And I bet he opened up, his heart opened up because guess what? He loves his daughter. And so for me, I knew this was a problem, uh, you know, black people being murdered by police officers. And in this case, he was, he was sitting in his apartment, you know, reading a book. There was clam chowder. He was in his own house. You can't right. get more benign than that. Um, but it impacted my company. It impacted the people in my group. It impacted me in the heart of coaching. And I noticed that I was, <laughs> I wasn't, I was prepared with the skills to have uh, the conversation that needed to be had, but I didn't recognize that it needed to be had when it needed to be had. If that makes any sense, it makes total sense. It makes total sense, and I love the story uh, 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 of you know your colleague uh, really laying it out there, mm. you know, in a in a beautiful, clear way. It's so funny, you know, Jennifer. Um, I kept telling this story as I went into the campaign. And this is sort of, this is a bit of a misstep as well, or something that I was unaware of. I was sheltered from by myself until later on, as I kept telling this story and it is a true story. And when people would ask me, why are you running for office? This is one of the main reasons. And I could see in their face that it was impactful and I was on the right path, but I never called Jennifer again. I didn't reach out to her for like 18 months. Sometimes you have a coaching session after the program and we didn't have one of those, but at some point it became unbearable, <laughs> unbearably. Um, I wanted to say stupid, but I think self-serving, you know, there's probably part of me that said, what if you made this up or what if it's not real? Uh, what if she f has forgotten about you? But eventually I just looked up, you know, her email address and we had a phone call and it turns out that her life had been as transformed and moved as mine had been. Mm. And I want to say one other thing about, you know, why now this worked, because like you it's actually been 401 years that these things have been happening on our soil. Right. And all of a sudden, it's not like it changed on September 2018, uh, but I became aware of it. And I think it ha does have to do with, you know, the mojo of the modern man. W we talked a little bit before coming on air, just how are you feeling right now? And I didn't use the word then, but I think mojo is kind of what I'm feeling because I'm activated around this thing that's important. And it makes me think of mojo of the modern company mm -hmm. because the only reason I think that that translated into the changes that have come up in my life is that we were prepared also as a company. We have been doing decades of diversity and inclusion. Now we call diversity equity and inclusion. Uh, we had had rollouts over the previous couple of years since I was there of how to have these color brave conversations. I had in my bones, in my experience with my whole coaching team of nearly 30 coaches, we'd had those conversations. So when we came back in off of the sidewalk, I held a conversation for our team. We threw out the rest of the program and we sat for an hour processing this pain, grief, guilt, um, trauma, uh, unconsciousness, you know, uh, desire not even to talk about it. Like we brought all that into the space. And what was very cool is, so now we're kind of late for the big close to the program. And 
the group knew how to get there. I found myself basically sprinting into the uh, into the the big plenary session. There's like a ballroom with a big stage, and I went straight up to the orchestrator, uh, who happened to also be a black woman who was leading this whole group for these 450 people. And I got her attention. I said, "Do you know what?" I said, "What are you going to say about?" I don't even think we knew Bo's name then, but what are you going to say about the email from, from Tim? And she said, what email? Nobody had told her in the whole program that Bo had been killed that day. And I of course didn't know that. And in fact, my boss kind of came up and said, you know, what are you doing? Because things were messy. Like they were running behind and there were a bunch of logistics that were getting in the way. In fact, I kind of got reprimanded. It's like, ask me, don't go <laughs> messing with the program like that. But it, there was something in me that told me because we were prepared as a company and because I had moved to Europe and all these other things, I was prepared to have the mojo to go up there and say, Leslie, we got to do something. We cannot leave, let 450 senior associates leave this program in a big celebration on the day that our brother was murdered mm. and not even recognize it. So there's a moment where you think about the people that helped you get there and you put your commitment on this, you know, the, not to give away the secret of the program, but there's a way that you, you, you take your insight from the program, honoring those that, that helped you arrive here and that you love. And so that was a moment that she chose to have a moment of silence for Bo. So there's this saying that's like, in the moment of crisis, we don't rise to the occasion, but we fall to the level of our training. And because I'm a coach, because of the work you did with me as a supervisor uh, through CTI and the work I've done with clients and the soul of our company, the consciousness created around equity, inclusion, diversity, racism, anti-racism, social, racial justice at this accounting firm where I work, you know, we were prepared to do something differently on it. And Jennifer is now in a, um, we both applied for this fellowship a two-year-long fellowship called the CEO Action Fellowship for Racial Justice. Um, I'm grateful that I think it worked out right that she was selected and I wasn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're still connected. But it's two years. We've given 30 employees full salary to go and work on using the power of corporations. There's 1,100 CEOs signed into this thing, and many, many companies are giving dozens of employees to work on implementing new policy legislation using the power of lobbyists to work on racial justice in the, in the country. And I think that's what it looks like when you have mojo of a modern company. Yeah. Um, Beautiful. Thanks to Steve jobs. Yeah. 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 I mean, the technology's brought so much bad, but without the technology, I think we'd probably still be uh, sheltered. Yeah. I would agree with you. I'd agree with you uh, completely. So there's the, the, it's just fascinating because sometimes it's really easy to, um, be looking at the light side and see nothing but the dark. And sometimes it's easy to look at the dark side and see, and, 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 mm. and, and, you know, uh, just miss the, the wholeness of what's there. I'm really taken by the way um, with the name that your company has for these, the color brave conversations mm. um, because uh, well, first of all, the the fact that it it's in in many ways a, a slap in the face to this notion of color blindness, which is which is uh, to me an easy way of saying, oh, I'll just put your head in the sand and pretend everybody's the same mm-hmm. and uh, and treated the same and 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 
And boy, do we know that that ain't so. Mm-hmm. You know, boy, do we know that that ain't so. And that was an intent, of course, an intentional naming choice. Yeah. And part of the story of we used to think colorblind was the way to go. And this is why it's not. And here's what's different. And I, you know, I watch all kinds, since becoming a politician, I watch all kinds of news and late night TV and things. And even if I don't really like necessarily Bill Maher, uh, it's only on once a week, several weeks in, in, throughout the year. So I watch it. And and he had a conversation about this on the most recent show. And he was basically saying, aren't we supposed to be colorblind? Isn't it just, shouldn't we just ought to not see color? And one of the guests that he had on, you know, was aligned with that approach. And um, I see it the way that you've just described it. This is putting your head in the sand. And it would be like, uh, I don't know if I have a good example, but it would be like not seeing color anywhere in the world and thinking that that would make your life easier. Well, I think, you know, the, the, the challenge I have with the notion of colorblindness is, um, is the same challenge I have with uh, any kind of spiritual, intellectual mm. um, bypass. The and for many, many reasons, you know, too too, too many to go into here. Mm. But you know, part of my own philosophy is that, you know, yeah, uh, it's great that we're all human and we can and and the you know, yay for that. And by the way, you know, we are, uh, each, uh, we, we are, we are worlds unto ourselves. Mm. You know, we are world uh, worlds unto ourselves and we all have, uh, cultural backgrounds that, um, you know, if we allow it, 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 it is fascinating because if we start to allow or encourage, um, too much of this notion of colorblindness, you know, wow, you know, the, the, the we, 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 lose, we lose so much, including a key piece of complexity, including a, an, an enormous, the enormous gift that is diversity and not just diversity, not just racial diversity. Mm-hmm. I mean, diversity of thought, diversity of, of culture, diversity. Boy, I don't want to live in a world where the, where every, every ice cream mm-hmm. flavor is vanilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what was coming up for me is is um, subscribing to a life or ascribing to a life of colorblindness is subscribing to a life of complete uncuriosity about who you are and why you are here. Yep. It would almost be like saying, oh, I don't see color. I don't see any difference between um, folk music and the Beatles and rap music and jazz. All music is the same to me. I like them all equally. You know, you would never know actually what resonates with you. You'd never be inspired to do something by any particular piece of music. Uh, and I don't think there's anyone saying that that's the way that that's the way to live rather saying I do see color and there. And I mean, a great, if, if people are intrigued by this listening, maybe, maybe a way to get some more mojo as a modern man, uh, is go to some place where you are the only person that looks like you in that place <laughs> and just yep. see what it feels like. 
I do hope you're enjoying the conversation between Steve Tulowitzki and myself. And just a quick reminder, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service. Let's get back into the mix. During the Me Too uh, movement, when it was at its height, there's all this idea of talking about consent. And I saw a great, you know, tweet or meme or something like that said, if we want men to really understand, or let's say a man only understands the idea of consent when they go to a gay bar for the first time. Mm. Not to say that gay bars are places that are, you know, seedy and everything is sexual there, but the idea that if you're in there, you might not give your consent for any sort of advances of any sort. Uh, and, and that probably would make most straight men feel pretty uncomfortable yet they don't think about it twice when they're in a regular bar, let's call it a straight bar. And they might be making advances at girls because they're drunk and they, you know, feel like that's their right. So it's this sort of like putting yourself in the other person's shoes. It's not impossible. You can actually do it. I mentioned my journeys overseas and working in Riyadh, going through immigration in Riyadh, and then going to work for 10 days and then come back to Amsterdam and go back to, to, to uh, Saudi Arabia. It just um, is completely disor- was completely disoriented for me, disorienting for me in a way that I hadn't experienced before. Because at the customs, you know, border control, you are completely at the mercy of people. And you don't, and I don't, I did not understand their culture at all. I saw big lines of people that I understood were from Pakistan and India. It seemed like they'd been there for days and they're just in a huge line and people would point at me and tell me to go to this line. Often I'd be the first person in line. The guy who would take your passport would just look in my eyes, open the door to his little station and come out, close the door and walk away and leave me standing there for two hours sometimes. And you don't know why and you don't know what's going to happen to you. Uh, and you know, if you if if you break the rules of that society, you're at great in grave danger. Was the feeling that I had when I yeah. was going there. So those sorts of experiences, I think, is when I came back to Munster, I could see the world differently uh, than before I had left. And so I that, I feel like that's my what I need to use whatever mojo I have right now is to help other people maybe have some of those experiences without needing to leave the country for eight years right? just yeah. to see things differently and say what impact do i have on this space when i enter it yeah beautiful i i i'm noticing our time here and we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna wrap in a couple of moments and you know before we do uh, first of all how can people get in touch with you oh well steve tulowitzki on facebook uh for the c- political campaign uh, or Political Life, the Facebook page is Tulo for Munster. That's T-U-L-O for M-U-N-S-T-E-R. Uh, I'll put all those in the notes, by the way. And of course, Tulo was also my campaign. Well, it, it's my pledge. It's my political pledge. It stands for Transparency, Unity, Leadership, Leadership, and Optimism. It's the lens I look through everything that comes across my my plate. Um, so those are two good ways to to find me. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. And and last thing, um, <clears throat> where would you point someone who uh, 
who's thinking, well, maybe some of this uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, some of this uh, anti-racism work might be worth taking a look at. Where would you point them to start? Well, if there are, I don't know how much of your audience is, is coaches, but there is a group called SOAR, started by Helen House, um, Students of Anti-Racism. I think you might be in there as well, Ken. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so that happens to be for the coaching community. But I would say whatever your community is, if you're, uh, you know, in a, in a knitting club, you know, that's one of the benefits of technology today is there are communities all across the world where you might be able to find people from your background willing to have this sort of conversation. Um, for white folks, there's a really, really good book called Waking Up White by Debbie Irving. Mm-hmm. Uh, open my eyes. So that's a good one to get. She's like in her mid forties and got into a situation where she had to take a class on racism. And she's like, what, why do I need that? I don't even have a race. And so she writes beautifully about her journey of learning at this stage in life. Uh, and, and I think that is, that is a really great place to go maybe even before white fragility and how to be an anti-racist and all, all the other books. That's great. Waking up white. Waking up white, Debbie Irving. If I could say one last thing, if you, so, so that's, you know, to learn. Uh, if you want to change the world, tell your kids and yourself, especially if you're a Gen X like me, run for office, you know, put something out there in the, in, in, into the universe where someone's going to say nice words, you know, you, what are you going to do about it? Um, I think we're in a place where you think if your name isn't Kennedy or Clinton or Bush or Gates or whatever, you have no right to be in political office. But it really matters. A policy really matters. And um, yeah, so just figure out how to get your name on the ballot. When you run a campaign, it changes your life. You're going to have conversations and learn new things about yourself. Um, but we're in a place where Chuck Grassley's turning 87, and he's thinking about whether he's going to run for another six-year term. You know, Chuck Grassley, I like hearing him talk. You know, it seems like he should be on a commercial for salad dressing or something. He's an entertaining sort of guy, but that is not the <laughs> mojo of the modern man that we need and woman, by the way, in uh, in office. So that's the biggest thing we can do is is get involved and just run for school board or whatever it is. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know we could go on and... Uh, uh, you know, maybe we'll have another conversation down the road, Steve. I'd love to have you back because there's a. We, I feel like we've just scratched the surface mm. here, so so much more to come. Thank you. I'd love, I'd love to see who we are. Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me here on Mojo for the Modern Man. It's been a pleasure. Me too, Ken. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me, Ken Mossman, and of course, my guest, Steve Tulowitzki, here on Mojo for the Modern Man. If you want to learn more about Steve, he is on the socials. You can find him on Facebook, on Twitter, and on LinkedIn. And I have links in the program notes to his various pages. If you want to email Steve, you can reach him that way uh, via CoachTulo, C-O-A-C-H-T-U-L-O, at gmail.com. And of course, I invite you to come by and visit me at Cirrus Leadership, C-I-R-R-U-S Leadership.com. You'll find pages there where you can sign up for my weekly newsletter. 
there's also my classes page as a reminder here. The uh, I Am the Integrated Adult Man class starts on the 16th of March, 2021. You can find that on the classes page of my website. And if you haven't yet, of course, please do subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service. And with that, make it a great day. Be well. Take care. See you next week.